from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I'm Editor-in-Chief of Green Entrepreneur. Really excited about my guest today, Carly Wolf joins us on the program. She is the State Policies Director at Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Great name, Normal. Has a little double entendre going on there. And uh, Carly's focus is on state-level political and legislative efforts. Each year, she analyzes hundreds of pieces of marijuana-related legislation, which is pending in state legislatures around the country, as well as in the U.S. Congress. And she also collaborates with state lawmakers and advocates to move marijuana reform legislation forward and to assist with federal lobbying efforts on Capitol Hill. Carly, thank you for all your efforts on behalf of marijuana, legalized marijuana. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here and talk about marijuana and everything that's come out this year. Yeah, there's so much to cover. First of all, how did you get into this this position that you're in? What's your background? Yeah, sure. So I actually started working with Normal when I was still in college. I was at the University of Maryland, so I wasn't too far away. I was studying criminal justice and I knew I wanted to be doing some kind of like criminal justice advocacy work. And I I had found Normal actually through, they had a little bit of a presence on on the UMD campus. So I was introduced to them a little bit. And then I started interning with them when I was a senior. And then when I graduated that year, I ended up starting to work full time. So um, it was a really cool experience. And I'm still to this day learning new things every day. I'm sure. And it's such a new, I mean, everything is always changing. It's very fluid. This year in particular is probably very intense for you. And with the election coming up in just under a month. So, or actually I won't won't time it with the election right around the corner. So I thought it would be very interesting for you to kind of take us through what we can expect on November 3rd and and hopefully beyond November 3rd and look at some of the the races that are going on. I know marijuana is on the ballot in a number of states. And I want you to sort of walk us through kind of where we are as far as I don't expect you to be a psychic hearing and predict the future, but maybe kind of what what we might expect on November 4th when we wake up, given that we actually have a real election on November 3rd. So take me through it. So some of the, the states have marijuana uh, legislation on the ballot for people to vote on, and some of it is for recreational use. Some of it is for medical use. So can you take me through the states? I know for example, I know, let's start with the deep South. Yeah. So Mississippi has actually, it's an interesting situation in Mississippi because they will be voting on medical marijuana, but it's actually two competing measures that are on the ballot. So initially the voters of Mississippi, there was a a citizen driven initiative um, to qualify medical cannabis and that was successful. And that's measure uh, initiative 65, um, which was the citizen driven one. And then Later, the legislature and activists have been saying that this was kind of a way for the legislature to kind of undermine the voters and confuse people at the polls. But they had passed an alternative measure to put on the ballot that a lot of the activists in the state have seen as more restrictive. And I believe it doesn't allow access to the flower. It only would allow like concentrates and 
other forms. So the one approved by lawmakers was a lot more restrictive and they're going to appear side by side. So we're really urging voters to, to focus on Initiative 65 rather than the alternative because we think that will be in the best interest of patients. Yeah. What are the chances of either of these passing? I mean, what are you guys, what is your, what is your polling finding? Yeah. So there has been a little bit of polling in Mississippi. I'm looking at the latest one. Actually, it was from uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was 63% of support for measure 65. So that's the one we want. So it's looking good as of now, but again, I don't know how that the dueling, the dueling measures will actually, I don't know how that'll turn out but hopefully people in Belgium and so there will be in some shape or form medical marijuana in Mississippi. It's just, we don't know what, how it's going to all play out. It depends on. Yeah. I feel like the lawmakers are going to try either way to take it into their own hands and make it into what they want, which is kind of unfortunate. Mississippi is one of those states that really needs it. I mean, they only have like a very limited like CBD program right now. So They really need that expanded access down there. So let's talk about some of the states that are looking at actually making it recreationally legal. And I don't know what the terminology you guys use is there. Do you say recreational? I don't know. That seems like... We usually say adult use. Adult use. A little bit more broad and kind of sounds better. Yeah. 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 Recreational sounds like, yeah, party. Yeah. When it's not really that necessarily. So I know that New Jersey, well, you tell me. So New Jersey, there's some states that are in play for recreational. Yeah. So New Jersey was the first state that actually they were kind of unique because the legislature did pass pass legislation to put it on the ballot um, rather than um, residents of the state, like gathering signatures and doing it that way. So the legislature of New Jersey passed a law to put it on the ballot. So we'll see that there. Actually, I'm really excited about New Jersey. I grew up in Jersey, so it's my home state. Yeah, you're from Jersey? Yeah. I'm from New York, but uh, my father's from New Jersey. So, you know, represent New Jersey. Yeah, so all my family's (laughs) still there. So we're all really excited about that one. (laughs) (laughs) I see it happen. And what are you thinking? Are you feeling that that's, I'm feeling optimistic about New Jersey. I really think it'll pass in Jersey. And again, the polling is all like in the 60%, 60 to 70% range. So, And I feel like all the New Yorkers are going to go over to New Jersey to get there. I feel like that one, like if New Jersey legalizes, that will really propel a lot of the other like Northeastern states to get the ball rolling, especially New York. Because yeah, like you just said, there's going to be, be, be so many people just like crossing over the river from like Manhattan and I can totally see it. All these like border, the all these border cities in New Jersey are going to become these big <laughs> dispensary uh, yeah. stops. And be like Hoboken. Yeah, Hoboken's like- going to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Jersey City. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so that's New Jersey. What else? What What else are we looking at here? So South Dakota is also interesting because they have two separate ballot initiatives, one for adult use and then a separate one for medical use. So they could really just go full throttle from not having any access to having medical and adult use. So I think the medical one will has a really good chance of passing. I think the adult use one also is polling pretty well, but I feel like, I mean, medical, I feel like is a given now, but I guess nothing still obviously nothing's a given unfortunately with, <laughs> right, with nothing's cannabis. Given. i don't want to jinx it either so i won't say that but <laughs> yeah yeah what else are we looking at here so south dakota represent come on gotta do that yeah and what else we have montana um looking to legalize adult use how is that polling yeah uh i don't think there's actually been much polling out of montana actually not much that i've seen so far but yeah it's a statutory initiative it would allow possession of a up to an ounce. I think most of the ones on the ballot would also allow uh, limited 
uh, personal cultivation, uh, which is something that Normal always advocates for as part of an adult use legalization program. So yeah, I think there there has been a few different campaigns in Montana and then the New Approach, New Approach Montana, which is the group behind the campaign. They're backed by a lot of some other national like marijuana advocacy organizations. So they should have a lot of funding and enough at least to, to get the word out and, you know, educate educate the masses on what they're trying to do. So looking forward to, to seeing the outcome in Montana too. The other adult use state is Arizona. Um, they were one of the more recent ones to qualify. And actually the support there, the most recent poll there, it, the support was actually, the margin of support was a lot thinner than we were seeing in the past. I don't know if that was just like an outlier poll or like maybe support is not as high as we thought. But back in July, we had seen some polling that was like 60, 62 percent, 65 even. And then the most recent one, and actually also a few weeks ago in September, that was done by Monmouth University. It was showing support more around like the low 50s. Interesting. Why do you think it's changed? Any idea? I'm not sure, honestly. I know like... Arizona actually had a legalization ballot initiative in 2016 that failed. So I think it's definitely up from then, from 2016. Well, it's a conservative state, generally generally a red state and an older, older population. But still, even, I mean, we find that a lot of older people are use marijuana as medicine. So it's, what's the biggest sort of obstacle that you guys come up against in trying to push all these reforms ahead? Is there still that stigma about what cannabis is? I and mean, what, what is it that you guys fight against? Yeah, most? I think so. I think so. And I think you are right in the sense that there is a, a pretty big generational gap. And I think we see, I mean, even though, I mean, among the 65 plus population, actually, that's the population where we see like marijuana use actually rising the fastest kind of ironic, but yeah, I think that especially like the older white people, I don't know. I think they just are behind the times a little bit. And especially when those are a majority of who is in U.S. Congress and the Senate. So I think that there's definitely a generational gap and just, I think, a lack of like accurate information. I think people are still referencing decades old research that has been debunked and like just reefer madness kind of um, stereotypes. And Cheech and Chong kind of stereotypes. Do you meet regularly with legislator to with 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 lawmakers? And you like you said, there's a lot of old white people in Congress. I mean, do you sit down with some of those people or at least with their staff and talk to them about it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame this year because actually Normal's big national like fly-in day for lobby day was is usually around this time where we have, you know, all our all our members from all over the country come onto Capitol Hill and talk to their lawmakers. And that's probably the once a year when we get like the most insight, we get meetings usually with a majority of Congress. We get a lot of people to come in. And what do they say to you? I mean, generally on the, on, in normal times, normal, N-O-R-M-A-L, in normal times, like you said, what are they, what are the concerns that they express to you? I think a big concern is like youth access. People think that, you know, with legal marijuana, there'd be all these kids that have easier access and that are using it and getting high. But there's actually been a lot of research that disproves that. Actually, there's a lot from like Colorado and Washington that shows that youth use has pretty much stayed the same and that more, more kids and adolescents are their perception is that it's harder to get now because which which really makes sense if you think about it because if you're going to like a black market 
drug dealer, I guess, on you're picking up on the side of the street, like they're not asking for an ID. Meanwhile, if you go into a dispensary, it's just like a liquor store. Well, at least they're they're required to ask for ID. So that brings everything, you know, behind counters and out of the hands of kids. But yeah, I mean, I think those laws are pretty much working as as they were intended to. Yeah, I think another one is like the idea of like traffic safety being compromised, especially since there's not really a way to accurately test for impairment with marijuana like like there is with alcohol. Of course, there are there is technology there just not being used because I know I've had some people on the show that 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 have breathalyzers that. Yeah, but I think that also like I think that that just comes with like the greater need for law enforcement training for like behavioral things. And like, there's other ways. I think that, I guess, I don't know if that would be as accurate as like a a breathalyzer type device, but um, at least in the meantime, until that all that's figured out. I mean, how much of that is legitimate concerns and how much of it is just, again, like we're talking about stereotypes and I mean, I think it is legitimate, but I think people should also remember that it's already a crime to drive under the influence of anything, even marijuana. So, I mean, we're not advocating for everyone to, you know, smoke and get high and then get behind the wheel. No one should be doing that actually. But yeah, I mean, it's already a crime to drive under the influence. It's in legal states also. And I think also that I mean, the people that are using marijuana are already using it. They're not not using it because it's illegal, you know. So I I mean, there also has been research that's shown that there hasn't been any, you know, significant increases in, you know, traffic fatalities or like THC positive driving. Right in the legal states. Right. So it's, it's a valid concern. But I think that those concerns have been put to rest or at least. Let's talk about specific candidates if we can, like. Are there people that you guys are very, are the tight races across the country, some that we should, you know, we're a national show, so there's people across the country listening to us. Are there tight races that we should have our eye on that could really help the cause here if that candidate gets in or it gets reelected? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the major races like in, in the Senate are ones to look at. I think taking the Senate is crucial to advancing any marijuana reform uh, nationally. So, I mean, I'm thinking of the one coming up that the Arizona race with uh, Senator Martha McSally, who's a Republican. Her seat is up. She's being challenged by um, a Democrat, Mark Kelly. He's the husband of uh, former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. So so I am looking, I'm looking at that one since that's coming up. Has she been pretty anti-cannabis? Yeah. And I think just generally, I mean, obviously Democrats are are more supportive. So I think any of those races with those vulnerable Republicans are ones to look at. What are some other ones? Or even like Democratic seats that are that are at risk of being flipped. I'm think also thinking of the Michigan race where Democratic Senator Gary Peters, um, his his seat is up and he's being challenged by a Republican. Yeah, I just think that any any Democratic seats that are, are vulnerable of being flipped are, are ones to look at. Definitely make sure you're registered to vote for everyone that's listening. We actually have a really good resource on the normal website, normal.org slash election has everything. It has all the information on ballot initiatives, the presidential candidates, and it also has resources to register to vote and check your check your status and polling places and things like that. So the presidential race is sort of complicated on this topic because neither candidate has really come out and said that they endorse full national legalization or but you've said that you guys tend to lean more on the Democrat side. So has Normal taken a position of endorsing 
a presidential candidate, the presidential candidate? We have not yet. I'm not sure if we will be endorsing someone. Yeah, like you said, both of the major presidential candidates' positions are not ideal. I mean, out of all of like the Democratic nominees this year for, for, for President Joe Biden was probably the most conservative position on, on marijuana. And again, I think that's a, more of a generational thing. Yeah, for sure. But I guess it's, it's notable that vice presidential, uh, the Democratic nominee Kamala Harris, she is actually the lead sponsor of the descheduling bill that's that's pending in Congress. So that's something. Yeah. And, and yet her history, you know, has been not always so positive as far as as an attorney general. Yeah, she definitely gets backlash for that. But I think um, maybe she's evolved. Um, People change. Evolved for sure. It's interesting to me because sometimes we'll we'll see polling that shows that it really is a bipartisan issue and that a lot of Republicans support legalization. And it's funny that doesn't kind of float up to the representatives. I mean, I think there are probably some Republicans, right, that are pro. Yeah, it's definitely bipartisan. I mean, the latest national polling, Gallup usually does a polling like maybe every year or two. Yeah, the latest national polling, we saw majorities of all major political parties supported ending the federal prohibition, which is which is real, real progress. I mean, I always like to to point out that, I mean, now we're at what, like 68% public support. Back in 1970, when Normal was founded, we were at 12%. So there's been a lot of progress in 50 years. But Why do you think that's happened, that there's been progress? I just think that I mean, yeah, the, the public is coming around to the idea. I mean, again, marijuana was kind of always present and whether it's illegal or not doesn't change the fact that people are using it. So we might as well regulate it in a way that's safe and convenient for people to access it. But yeah, I mean, I think the times are just like culturally just shifting. And again, yeah, the generational gap. I mean, most young people are supportive regardless of like political ideology anyway. So yeah, I think it's just culturally shifting times. Yeah. Some of the legislation, fair banking, safe act, safe, you know, obviously you guys fully endorse that. Do you think that that has a chance of passing next year or does it very much largely depend on how yeah, the election I turns think out? So I think out of, I mean, it's already passed the house of representatives. So I think that gives it a little bit of momentum. But yeah, I mean, it is a marijuana bill, but it's also just like a banking bill. I mean, it wouldn't really do anything to address like the Schedule One status of marijuana or criminalization in, in any prohibition states. But it would just give the legal industry access to, to banks, which makes it so much safer, just not only for the businesses as a whole, but for the employees that work there. I think there's definitely more openness to advance that type of legislation than a more broader like descheduling legislation. But I don't know about with a Republican controlled Senate, if they'd be willing to take it up. I doubt with Mitch McConnell, McConnell in charge. So that's also another race to look at. Mitch McConnell is up for reelection. If you look, live in Kentucky, vote him out. <laughs> yeah. He is not a, a very good friend to cannabis. Yeah, Although what's interesting is he seems to be a friend to CBD, at least. Right. He like champions all the hemp reform, yeah, but because we'll that's do his state. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get Mitch out of there. Ditch Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about national legalization, though. I mean, you're you're there in the beltway, always getting a barometer. Do you ever see that being a reality that or, or are you fairly skeptical that that's going to happen in the next 10 years? I think that 
marijuana will get descheduled from the Controlled Substances Act. I don't know if that'll happen within the next like five years, maybe in the next 10 years. Yeah. You're not super optimistic that this is happening. Like, yeah, we like to say cautiously optimistic. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the Moore Act, which is the legislation that would remove marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act, that was supposed to be voted on by the House of Representatives actually like today or yesterday. It was supposed to be up for a vote. They pulled it at the last minute because of like COVID relief concerns. So that was unfortunate news for us. But that's sort of more symbolic, right? Because that would never pass in the Senate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's historic. That's never happened. And like the House of Representatives has never voted on a bill to end marijuana prohibition. So it would definitely be historic if that were to happen. I mean, even even the legislation passing like the Judiciary Committee, I think that was last year, that even was a huge deal. So any progress will take pretty much. Do you ever get concerned that all the progress we've made is going to be taken away? I mean... I always say like, oh, you know, the train has left the the station, like we're on the way to full legalization or at least majority of states legalizing. But maybe the opposite could be true. Maybe we're going to pull back and people are going to get scared. And do you ever worry that that the reverse could happen? Not really. I mean, I think just year after year, even just like so a big part of my job is like tracking legislation that moves forward at the state level and even just year to year like i've seen such a huge increase in just the amount of legislation that's being introduced and i think that says a lot because i think for a lawmaker to be willing to you know put their name on this piece of legislation like that's a huge step and like more lawmakers now are willing to do that and even just start those conversations with their colleagues so I mean, I don't think state level momentum is going to stop at all. And I think eventually that'll just have put up so much pressure on the federal government that they'll have no other choice really, but to, to, to deschedule it. But I mean, I don't think it'll ever be like regulated nationally or anything like that. I think it'll just be state by state, kind of like how alcohol is. Lastly, criminalization of cannabis. I know you're an advocate for right reforms in the laws and expunging people's records for that. Where are we with that? Do you feel like that's there's momentum in that whole movement? Because there's there's often two kind of movements happening in cannabis. There's that side of the debate, and then there's the debate of just you know legalization. Um, and sometimes they're at odds, right? Because you have advocates who are supporting decriminalization of cannabis, and that's a harder issue for some of the politicians than just like legalizing it. You know, they're like two different issues. Let's talk about where do you see that? Does that have momentum? It feels like it does. Yeah, I think it definitely does. I mean, expungement, yeah. I mean, especially in legal states now when a lot of them have like gone back and in- implemented expungement measures, like California has started an automatic expungement program. And we really push for automatic expungement rather than just like a, a normal expungement because that takes the burden off of the, the individual and kind of puts it back onto the courts. What is automatic? Ex- explain what you mean by automatic. So with expungement, typically a person who has a criminal record would have to apply to the, to the court that sentenced them to wipe their record clean. With automatic expungement, that kind of puts the burden back on the courts to just automatically review those records and expunge them without a cost to the individual. A lot of times it could be costly to go through that that process, like applying for the expungement. Sometimes you need a lawyer to help you through it. So that would take that burden off of the individual and put it back onto the courts, especially in legal states. People shouldn't be paying the price for an offense that's now legal. 
Um, and again, those, those criminal convictions will follow you for the rest of your life. If you're trying to get a job, if you're a young people that are applying to college, they can't get student aid. So it really affects people in, in various aspects of life. So I think that expungement is, is super, super important now as more states are starting to legalize and stop arresting people. Well, Carly, well, thank you for fighting the good fight. And do you feel like there's other people, a lot of other people like you on Capitol Hill lobbying and trying to, I sometimes get worried that we get, that the marijuana movement gets kind of overshadowed by, you know, bigger, more well-funded lobbying efforts. But do you sense that you have some power down there in, in Washington? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think normal being a grassroots organization, we really urge that constituent contact. So, and I think when constituents reach out directly to their lawmakers, it, it for sure makes an impact rather than like me or like some other industry lobbyist lobbyists just going in there that doesn't really have any connection to those lawmakers. So I think the, the grassroots nature of, of normal is, is helpful. Although we do see more industries and outside industries like alcohol lobbyists coming in now. But yeah, normal's goal has always been to, to put the consumer at the forefront of our efforts. So we try to sp spread that message um, whenever we're lobbying and talking to lawmakers and other advocates. So I hope that'll that'll resonate with people. And Okay, great. Well, this has been really informative. I thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's rightaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later. <laughs>